the roller coaster life of a pilot, of an airline pilot. We're going to be talking about that on this Taking Off podcast. Hello and welcome to the Taking Off Podcast. I'm Dan Milliken. And I'm Christy Wong. And if you're watching this on YouTube for a podcast, which I would ask why, because a podcast is to be listened to, but YouTube makes us do video. So we've got a 360 video. You can zoom around the screen at my at the Taking Off Podcast World Headquarters. World Headquarters. Yeah, so we keep it nice and clean on this side, but you can scroll around over there and see the mess Business that is. up front, party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Our mullet of a headquarters. All right. So, Chrissy, we're going to be talking about the life of a pilot, of an airline pilot specifically, because, you know, I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not going to become an airline pilot. The, the ship has sailed for me for that. The plane has taken off for me on that. And, um, But there are quite a few people, our friend Brian Turner, one, who's thinking about it. And other people out there, especially in this pilot shortage world that we have. But I, I, it's funny because, again, on the outside, I watch and listen to you. And at times you're on Mount Everest celebrating, talking about how great it is. And then there are times that you're in these deep valleys where it's like, oh, my gosh. So what is the deal with the roller coaster ride of pilot life? Well, first of all, this career definitely has its ups and downs mm-hmm. uh, like they all do <laughs> it does um well and this all came about because you and i were having a conversation earlier today uh before we did our other recording and we started uh you started asking well no isn't it great like who cares about quality of yeah, life on the road like just, just suck, suck it, it up. up for a while and, and I you was get through like, this and then you get your seniority and you're good to go yeah i was like whoa <laughs> hold on a second um so there's a very big learning curve when you become a professional pilot, whether you're corporate or your airline. And I've done both. Uh, I did corporate for a couple of years while I was time building to get to the airlines. And I came to a juncture in a junction in the road where I needed to decide, do I want to be a career corporate pilot or do I want to be a career airline pilot? And it's funny because when you're time building and you're looking for advice, people are always going to push their value systems on you. Right. So the first thing that I'm going to tell everybody first off is that what I'm about to say is based on my personal values and my value system. Your mileage may vary. Bingo. So um, the reason I chose to go to the airlines, first of all, was because being a corporate pilot to me um, had a lot of really great things about it but it had a lot of really terrible things about it. All right. Yeah. So I remember you talking about that, that um, you, you may have great passengers. You may have really horrible passengers and different from the airlines. You actually had to interact with them. Correct. In the corporate world. Well, it, really what it boiled down to was as a corporate pilot, you're the pilot, the flight attendant, the baggage handler, the ramper, the absolutely toilet emptier. You're the, I mean, you are literally everything, the airplane stalker, the airplane cleaner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, at the end of the day, I just wanted to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. I did not want to be like a caterer. Right. And so, um, and I had a few experiences to back that up. 
this was not just a, an idea where I said, you know what, this doesn't sound fun. I actually experienced it. And it will, there were some fun things about being a corporate pilot, but at the end of the day, it was not fun to be all of those things. Okay. And in addition, there's a lot less stability in the corporate pilot region. In fact, I would say at this time, 90% of the people that told me corporate's where it's at, blah, blah, blah. They have left the corporate world and they are now <laughs> in the airlines. And I could literally rattle off 10 names right now and I won't do that, but I'm just saying for those people who pushed their value system of being a corporate pilot on me, I would just like to say, what are you doing? You know? So who are the corporate pilots then today? If, if all of the, uh, all the good ones left and went to the airlines, a lot of them are actually retired airline pilots, right? Who reached the 65. They cannot be a airline pilot anymore. Correct. Yeah. So as it stands right now, you can only be an airline pilot up to the age of 65. Once you hit your 65th birthday, you You're can no done. longer be an airline yeah. pilot, but you can be a corporate pilot. So, or you could be a full-time CFI. Um, our friend Tom Tweedale does mm -hmm. that. He, he's yep. a full-time flight instructor and a darn good one. You know, yep. he brings a lot of experience from the airlines and, and whatnot. So, um, so I decided to go to the, the airline world and I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome there. You know, we're going to go and travel all over the world. Well, all over the United States. Right. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And when if you've not done this before, if you've never lived the crew member lifestyle where you're just constantly on the road, there is a learning curve. And for me. I realized I needed to develop some pretty good like routines if I was going to, you know, mentally and emotionally survive it because you got to remember you're on the road and yeah, you're with a crew, but you may be with a crew that doesn't want to be with you just because of their personal values system. And so you get to the hotel and it's like, now what, you know, I do when, when I fly, I typically fly the afternoon and evening flying. So I don't get to the hotel usually until around midnight, wherever I'm at. And so nothing's open. Everything's closed. The crew doesn't want to do anything. And uh, they just want to go to bed. Um, and a lot of times, like, my family is asleep. You know, my son, he's not going to be awake at midnight, so I can't call him. You know, so I'm basically in a hotel room by myself at, you know, at the end of the day. And um, so what I'll do is I... I go to bed, you know, get ready, go to bed, wake up the next day. And uh, the first thing I do is I get up and I go work out. I have found that um, 30 to 60 minutes of exercise every single day is very crucial to this because it keeps me mentally going as well as physically. But the, the mental stimulation is huge. Um, during the day, like once I'm done working out, that's when I try to find time to call my friends, family, loved ones, et cetera. Um, if I have enough time, I'll write scripts in my hotel room or whatnot. I don't always have time to do that, though. Sometimes I'll go work out, come back to the hotel room, and then I have to shower and start getting ready to start my day. And then it's just fly, 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 you know, which I love and it's great. But it's not even just the lifestyle that you have to get acclimated to. It's the actual job itself. Flying is great. But now we're, I'm in a position where most of the time I have to go. If the ride conditions are not great, guess what? I'm flying. Um, it's one thing to sit in an office or, you know, be on the ground dealing with the elements. It's another to be in a 3D space 
30 to 40,000 feet in the air dealing with stuff. And this is where you and I got to talking this right. morning. Well, because you're talking about, well, the 12 hour days and it's, you know, this and that. And I'm like, look, when we're, we're shooting movies and, and we're shooting TV shows. 12 hour days is, is the norm, not, not, not the exception. And it might be out in the sun uh, of, of summer Texas where you're just drained, but you've got to do it anyway, or it's extreme cold, you know, or it's in this, this building that we're shooting for 12 hours and because of the sound you have to keep the air conditioner off you got all the hot lights and everything else i mean there there is a lot of stuff so i'm like what are you what are you complaining about but uh, then you enlightened me on you know what a 12-hour crazy schedule does to a pilot yeah it is very mentally and often emotionally fatiguing especially look at the weather we've had in texas lately and in the south with all the thunderstorms right which is very typical of this time of year um april may june you know we get into those spring and, and summer thunderstorms okay we're deviating around storms, okay. getting put in holds. Usually the ride conditions are not great, which means that there's a lot of turbulence. Imagine having to think while you're getting rattled around constantly. There's no reprieve. We can't get out of it. We have to just deal with it. You're in a you're in a space now where you have very little room for mistake. So you are you're you know, air traffic controllers, for example, they I know they have to get relieved for breaks like a lot during right. their shifts. Okay. We don't get that. When we're up there, we're we're stuck, you know? And when I say stuck, I mean there's a lot of times where we are stuck. You know, whether it's we're stuck in a hold. Now we might be able to divert, which we we've done. Kevin just did that recently, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but like there, you know, there's times where we're taxiing out for departure. And weather pops up out of nowhere, and it shuts down the airport. And now we're surrounded by other airplanes who have now shut down. We're stuck. Kevin was stuck on the airplane for two and a half hours the other day, uh, you know, waiting for takeoff. They literally had to shut down the engine Because of weather. Because of weather. So, um, but, like, so there's nowhere to go, you know, you're, and you have no clue what time it's going to end. Nobody knows because it's up to Mother Nature when she wants to start acting right and, you know, letting us fly out. And then once you do take off, the ride conditions aren't great. And there's just a lot of different things in there that, you know, so, and I don't say this to say that, oh, I don't like my job or anything like that. That's far from the truth. I love my job and I love the challenges that it comes with. But there are times when people will make comments like, oh, you know, is it, who You're just cares a bus about, driver. Yeah. Who cares about your 12 hour days or, or whatever? And it's like, hold on a second. Let's also throw in the fact that we went, we got delayed delays 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 our flights are now up against each other when do we have time to even eat Mm. you know we barely have time to take a minute to use the lavatory or or whatever because we're you know out here well the good thing about not eating is then you don't need to use the lavatory (laughs) this is true but but that's also brings on another set of issues (laughs) no true story i actually know another pilot who got like was getting recurring like urinary tract infections <laughs> because they weren't they were holding it they weren't drinking enough and they were holding oh. it a lot yeah so i mean that's the other thing too is that you want to make sure you know everybody tells you to hydrate but with hydration comes the need to ex- unhydrate exactly dehydrate and you know it's so i mean you're you're just constantly walking a fine line all the time of and and you almost have to be in a state of perfection when you're up there all the time 
But like I said, when, when everything is going right, when it's a clear night and the skies are smooth and you can see the falling stars from like 36,000 feet in the air and everything is just so crystal clear. Oh my gosh, that is like the most amazing feeling in the world. And you're just kind of looking around at all the buttons and switches and, you know, then you land and you grease the landing and you get out and you do the walk around and you look at the tail and you're like, my God, I just landed this thing. That's when it all comes. And that's... and then you go to the resort at Grand Junction and where they put <laughs> you up for the night for the crew and, and you can watch HBO all night and recharge your batteries. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, a lot of times that's what I'll do. I'll go to the hotel room. I'll, you know, wind down for the next hour and like, yeah, I'll put on some silly show on Netflix to kind of decompress and, and that's that. But um, I just don't want to give people the false impression that everything is always like unicorns and rainbows. There's a reason why pilots are in high demand and the reason why it takes so long to train us. And by the way, the good pilots are always training in their minds. They're always learning. They're always getting better. There's never going to be a point in my career where I know everything and I'm just on autopilot because there are no two situations that are the same. Okay. This whole conversation started earlier today because, um, you're still an FO still. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're like, why aren't you a captain yet? Well, and, and, <laughs> well, you made the comment that you were holding off, you know, you're trying to hold off that automatic feed the captain i'm like why not just take it reset the seniority clock and just get it done with so that you can kind of move up get paid more and and all that kind of stuff and i didn't understand why you would hold off on making the jump to the left seat so uh it's all based on quality of life and quality of life is determined on your seniority and seniority is determined on your higher date with the company um so, so basically not your the, not date. the date that you oh, you become a captain. Correct. Okay. So in terms of your bidding seniority and stuff like that, it's based on day one of NDOC. And my NDOC day, for those of you that remember, I started on March 9th of 2020. Yeah. I was the last class before COVID. Exactly. Okay. So, so then you, you say quality of life. I don't know what that means. So you are, you've got your NDOC date. You know, you're holding off on becoming a captain, staying in the FO because um, you have more seniority. But I don't understand quality of life. Okay. Um, so let me break it down for you. There, Because it's a few different things. Um, and everybody has their own value system when it comes to quality of life. For some people, their value system, they want the hours. They want to be gone. I have a friend, for example, he's single, no girlfriend, no wife, no kids. He, you know, just lives by him, you know, or he doesn't. And he's a pilot? He's a pilot. Oh, then he probably has four families in different cities. No, but. he doesn't actually. Okay. Yeah, no, he's one of my best friends. But he doesn't have a family that he's got to work his life around. He he has less seniority than me, but he did the, I'm going to get to captain as fast as possible. So and, he's already captain. Well, he's going through captain upgrade training right now. Okay. He's going to be at the lower end of seniority. He probably, we don't, I don't know that he'll be able to hold a line yet, which means he's going to be reserve, which means that he's going to get that crew scheduling owns him, basically. Okay, so you go and sit at the airport. You wait for them to call. What's the big deal? You sit at the airport, take your, your iPad, watch some more Netflix. There, No, there is nothing worse to me 
than the instability and unknowing of what's going to happen. Right now, the last couple of months I've been on reserve, but I'm a senior FO. So they rarely call me. But they're on the days that I think they're going to call me, that's when I start getting like, oh, where are they going to send me? Because they can send me somewhere great or they can send me somewhere not great. You know, I have my favorite overnights and I have the overnights that I absolutely avoid that I don't like going to because I don't like the hotel. I don't like the airport. I don't like the area, whatever it is. But I don't know what crew scheduling is like, what their need is going to be when I'm next to be called on the list. Last week, I was very fortunate because I got called to one of my favorite overnights. And so it wasn't a problem when they when they called me. And I, they were like, hey, First Officer Schaefer, you know, um, we got a trip for you. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, what do you got for me today? And they're like, oh, we've got a Montgomery overnight. Awesome. That's one of my favorite overnights for various reasons. So not a problem at all. Um, but if they send us to like Mexico or something, um, we have to be really careful about like the food and stuff we take with us. Now, going on reserve was my choice because I'm delaying so that I can build more right, and that's seniority. where the whole conversation began. Yeah. It was like, why delay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm building seniority because now if I do upgrade to captain, I know I'm going to be able to hold a, a line. I'm not going to have to be on reserve. When Okay. I don't understand the term hold a line. When where does I, that come from? What, what does okay. that mean? So when I bid, okay, I bid for actual like lines like okay this week you're going here the next you're going to have these days off and then the next week you're going to so go a here. line would be a route a dfw to laguardia well okay y yes and no but it's not like the same thing over and over again it's different ones like every week we're going somewhere different this next month i've got like i'm going to be going to like what here i mean i can tell you well, no, I mean, just just make something up. If yeah, yeah, like uh, like Baton Rouge, for example, which I love that overnight. Or I'm going to like um, Canada, or I'm going to, you know, there are some times where I want to bid to go to Mexico. Mexico in the wintertime is pretty awesome because it's warm down there, <laughs> right. and I am not a cold weather person. Um, when so I, I'll just show you right here. So this is what a reserve line looks like. It's a lot of. So that reserve availability period there, that means that I'm open for them to send me wherever they want. And I just have to wait it out. There's They own you. They own you. Okay. Okay. Now, because I'm senior on the reserve list, I'm a senior first officer, they're not likely going to call me necessarily. Because they call the junior people first? They call the junior people first. Okay. We, the way that our company does it, we work in reverse seniority order. So the guys that are on the bottom are the most likely to be called. But what I don't understand is that you don't get paid unless you fly, right? Not if you're in reserve. If you're in reserve, you get a set amount no matter what. Oh, we get so paid. with you on reserve, you get paid whether you fly or not. Bingo. Oh. So okay. if I I get 75 hours a month as a reserve pilot, that's the that's the minimum guarantee. Now, if I fly more than that, if I fly more than 75 hours, I'll get paid, you know, what I actually flew. But in this situation. If I only flew 10 hours last month, I still get paid for 75. I see. And by the way, I can still pick up overtime on my days off, which is what I've been doing. I've been picking up one or two OT days. So the days that I do fly, I'm actually getting paid overtime to do that. So this is what a reserve line looks like. That was May. Here, show that camera. Okay. For if you're on YouTube, you yeah. can scroll just, over and see it. Yeah, it's just, and then, but then look at that. That's my line next month, my lines. 
Okay. So it's much more consistent. Look, you know exactly where I'm going. Okay. So it it's just a lot more laid so out. So you can plan life out. You Bingo. know that you can take your son to soccer practice or whatever. Go to the dentist or whatever. Right. I okay. still have days off, you know, when you're on reserve, but it's just, it's different. You just, I know now, like on my days on, when I'm on reserve, I can't really do anything or go anywhere. Okay, but how long... So for somebody who's thinking about becoming a professional pilot and joining the airlines, usually start at a regional, which is where you're at, what, um, what, what can they expect for how long they would have to suck it up and be on reserve? Oh, man. That, that's, there's so many variables. It depends on the airline, the timing of it. Because obviously, if you got hired a few years ago, you could have been sitting on reserve for six-plus months. It depends on your base. Um, if you go to a major, like American, for example, they have different fleet types. So you've got multiple bases. You've got, for the narrow bodies, they've got Airbus or the 737. So it depends on which fleet you get on. And then you might get back, to, like, let's say, because I've got a friend who just went over to American on the Airbus based in Miami. He's coming back to DFW. He's probably going to be on reserve in DFW, you know. And and so there's just a lot of variables there. For me, I was really fortunate when I got recalled off of furlough. I was only I was based in DFW right away, and I've always been on the 175. I'm so lucky. I I trust me. I know how lucky I am, and it seems silly to complain about the little things, but we're pilots. That's what we were born to do. I. I was only on reserve for, let's see, I was on reserve for three months. Mm -hmm. Then I got a line. Mm -hmm. But then they reduced the number of lines the following month, and I went back to reserve for that month. So I think when you tally that up, as a junior FO, I was on reserve for only four months, which is still really, I mean, that's really good because I know people at Mainline American that have been on reserve. I mean, they got hired and they were on reserve for like, Two years. And you're on reserve again out of choice. On purpose. Because you have seniority. You don't think you're going to be flying. And you're trying to keep your hours down so you don't have to go to captain and start it all over again. Right. So true story. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing is that my you build seniority based on that higher date, that first day of NDOC, right? So my seniority date is March of 2020. Mm -hmm. So, but anybody that's got hired before me, whether they're a captain or an FO, because there's FOs that have more seniority than me still. And, um, but there are also now captains that have less seniority than me. So my friend that just upgraded or is going through training right now, he's got less seniority than me. When I upgrade, I'm pushing him down a seniority number now. Uh, I see. So what I'm doing right now, the strat for me personally, not everybody is like this, but I, I'm slowing down my hours right now so that I can gain some seniority. But now I was kind of evaluating. I have a friend that went, he and I went through training together. He's exactly one seniority number below me. And he just upgraded a captain. He's holding a line, barely, but he's holding a line. And so based on that information, I've made the decision to just take, take the leap. And that's why I started bidding for a line again. So starting next month, I'll be I'll be holding a line, which means I'll be flying sixty to seventy hours a month. So you're going to get pushed right up to that limit where you have to automatically go to the left seat. Yeah. So typically in the regionals, um, because the need for captains is so great, once you hit 
a thousand hours basically than you're a cat you know they put you into captain actually what it is it's 950 hours because you go through training and then when you go for your ioe for captain training you get 50 hours on the line with a line mm. check airman so that's where your other 50 hours you cannot get 121 pic unless you have a thousand hours of 121 time so you get the 950 as an fo 50 hours on the line during your training which is where my friend is at he's in that 50 hours of He's mm -hmm. passed the training. He did his check ride in the simulator, but now he's actually gaining that experience with a line check airman. That's where he's at. So I'm just, uh, I've accepted my fate. I'm like, okay, as long as I can hold a line, as long as I'm not going to be on reserve, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. But there's a lot of other things that come with that as well. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to be a captain. I'm not one of those people. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, you know what? That's a, it's a lot. We were talking about Brian earlier, you know, and his right. commercial check ride and this weird imposter syndrome that we get. That's, Brian Turner. That, that's me. <laughs> you oh, know, really? I, yeah. You? Like, imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Like I. Okay. There's a saying in the, in the airlines. When you're an FO, if you don't know something, you turn to the left and you can ask your much more experienced captain. When you're a captain, you turn to the left and you see your reflection in the window. <laughs> so. Now it's going to be me. You better know your stuff. Exactly. I'm, and the thing is, I'm, logically, I know I'm ready, like skill set wise and everything mm -hmm. else. But I also realize I have the wisdom to know that I'm not the end all be all. I don't know everything. I will never know everything. I may know and a lot. And you're going to be put in a hold and you've got fuel situations and calculations. And do you divert? Do you exactly. keep holding to get the people back to their the destination they want and, and brand new first officers that's another thing yeah, as well the, uh, uh, somebody sitting in your right seat who's helping you has a hundred hours which is nothing and they're basically looking at you with those big eyes going what do we do yeah exactly and i mean i mean i, I think that by the time i get there i should you'll know, know what to do but it's still it's a lot because and you'll know what to the, do right the responsibility is is going to be on the captain you you do ride or die as a crew it's true but at the end of the day the chief pilot is going to be calling the captain you know right. when, there, when an issue arises and so that's just where my mindset has been now that i've now that i've gone through the rigors of developing a good routine getting used to this lifestyle and everything else now it's a matter and now it's a matter of am i ready for that responsibility and it, i mean unfortunately when you're in a in a regional carrier like this where they need captains you're going to get forced into that upgrade which a lot of people love so mm -hmm. i'm again i'm only talking about my value system some people are going to be out there like oh i loved being a captain in this and that and you know a, a lot of my friends that were fos that have upgraded to captain now they love it they love being a captain they don't like the the lesser seniority Mm -hmm. because it does and you know now they're not getting you know when you were a senior fo you got the lines you wanted like i got my first choice mm -hmm. um you know and i'm not going to get that as a captain it's i'm going to get like my 200 for choice. a little bit no well just suck it, it up for a little while and then no. you'll get what you want as a captain it's a lot different your seniority slows way down because you're okay so when you're an fo they cycle fos pretty quickly right because once you hit 950 you're out. What about the captains? Oh, okay. So you got, well, they're going up to the, the majors. Not the top, like 100 guys in DFW are lifers. Oh, really? They have chosen to stay. They are not, they, they, which is a new thing in the regionals. Yes and no. 
the the guys that are lifers at, well and here's the other thing too more and more people are choosing to stay that's new because the regionals are paying really good now right so i have spoken i love flying with the lifers and the reason is is they give such good perspective like they i've a, i've asked every single one of them hey man why did you decide to stay versus like you know, either flow to American or go to a different carrier, United, Delta, whatever. They all have very similar but very um, different explanations. A lot of it revolves around timing, family. You know, a lot of them were getting ready to flow around 9-11. Mm. And they were given seniority numbers, but then after 9-11, Americans stopped hiring. They got their seniority numbers taken away. And then by the time it all came back, like 10 years later... They had way too much seniority, you know, with Eagle to to move on. And they had young kids at home and mm -hmm. they didn't want to have to start at the bottom. I mean, there was just they're very similar stories. And it all has to revolve around the seniority and, and everything else. Um, but what's happening now, because we're getting paid so much more, the regionals are paying better. There are quality of life improvements and, and whatnot. Uh, more and more people are choosing to stay because of that, the captain seniority has slowed way down. So as an FO, yeah, in the last couple of years, I was able to go. I mean, I'm like top. You went from zero to top pretty quick. Out of 350-ish FOs, I'm like number 40. Okay. So I'm pretty far up there. But as a captain, it's going to take me years to get that same. I see. I will probably never be top like 50. Just be if I stayed hypothetically, if I stayed, and um, when I retire in twenty five years, I probably will not be top fifty, or I might be, I but I don't I don't think I'll ever be top twenty or twenty five or whatever, you know. And if I was, I mean, we're talking twenty years from now, right? So there there definitely is a difference there, and it's it's a matter, and that's a whole different conversation of whether to stay or flow or you know whatever, but. Um, it's really just going to have, it's going to de depend on what the, what the environment of the airlines looks like when it's my turn to flow. All right. So to wrap this up, it seems like to me in talking to you that really the strategy needs to start when you're 17, 18, 19 year old and you need, no, I'm serious. I'm not joking. And that you need to look at it and go, okay, it's a race. You need to get hired by the airlines as soon as possible. So it's a race to get that. And I think back to an episode of In the Hangar that we did with Joey Johnson and about this. And he was saying that's an argument for not doing the four-year and maybe, you know, uh, going a two-year route, college or whatever. Because the people doing a four-year college to get all the way from zero to hero for ATP, they're delaying their start date by a couple of years. So I, I just think it's, so it sounds like to me what you want to do is get out of school and get to get hired as soon as you can. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to get caught up in the rat race either because uh, like I have friends that did that. They I mean, look at all. Look at the lifers. Look right. at what they did. OK, look at Joey Johnson. And mm -hmm. he's got you know, a great life. He does. But he was at Eagle for a really long time. Right. Versus somebody like me, who's a little bit older. I'm not 17. I didn't start this at 17. Right. My progression is so much faster than his was. 
Well, yeah, it's a different it's time. All, right. That's what I'm saying. So it's all about timing. It's, uh, yeah. There's a lot. So there's strategy, but there's also luck involved. Right. Just, just depending on the time. It just time. depends on the, the day and age you, you start this. It's not about like, it's not about, it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you deal with it. It's the, it's how you play the cards. You can get a really bad hand, but still be able to play the cards really well, right. you know? And I mean, people like me and Brian who started this much later in life who are, you know, kind of looking at the professional pilot realm and, you know, I've actually transitioned into the airlines and stuff. I can have a very good, very lucrative career. I just need to make sure that I make the right moves. A lot of people, I have friends that, they went to high school, went to, you know, college. They like went to Embry, my friend, you know, Heather, she went to Embry Riddle and then went right into um, flight instructing to build those hours and spent over 2000 hours flight instructing just to get a job at a small regional when it was a terrible time to be in a when regional. When it was $20,000 a year. Yeah. Right. And now she's at Spirit, which has turned into a really great career for her. She has got a ton of seniority. She has no desire to leave or go to a, you know, legacy. A real airline. Well, it's a, it is a real airline. <laughs> know, it's, a, just, it's a legacy, you know. It's an what, airline where they don't want to you know, tar and feather you. <laughs> right. Well, no. Spirit, believe it or not, is a really, really great company to work for. Mm. The pilots love it there. Oh, okay. A lot of people, the, I think. It's just the passengers who don't. Right. Yeah. The pa We won't talk about the passengers. Mm. Um, but it's it's a, it's about what matters to you at the end of the day. It's it. it what it boils down to is what your value system is. What do you value? Do you want the do you want the prestige of working at a legacy carrier? Then yeah, join the rat race and go for it. But if you want to enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride, like me, I I did look, dude, I did the rat race. This is my second career. Right. I did the rat race back when, when I worked in, you know, science and medicine. I was hustle city for like, you know, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And now I've learned to just kind of step back because I have that life perspective and I enjoy what I do now. And for me, it's about that quality of life. It's about getting the better overnights and having more time at home and enjoying the flying that I do. I'm not looking to get to the next, the next, the next, the next. There's always going to be a next. There's a next step right. every, every corner you take. And that's just not me. All right. Well, those are good words. And for those who are thinking about becoming professional pilots, airline pilots, um, Christy talked about that, you know, it depends on the hand you're dealt. There is probably no better hands being dealt than they are right now for potential pilots because the demand is great and it's only going to get even greater here over the next few years. So if you do want to join the airlines, there's never been a better time. So I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Christy. And um, thank you for listening to the podcast. And for those watching on YouTube for the podcast, you can leave uh, comments. And um, anyway, we'll see you guys next time. Stay safe out there. All right. I'll see you next time.